The Dodgers are reportedly hiring Yoshinobu Yamamoto's trainer from Japan. Is it just for him, or are they going to try something new with all their pitching? There is still a hole in the outfield for the Dodgers, one that could be filled by a couple names that we haven't talked about too much. One, Lane Thomas. One, Anthony Santander. Should the Dodgers be in on them? We'll talk about that. So let's get locked on Dodgers. You are locked on Dodgers. Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yo, 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 Dodger fans. Welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. And right now, you can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. You can find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube, simply by searching for Locked on Dodgers. And if you want to become an everydayer, that's somebody that listens or watches every day. That's simply all you got to do. Listen or watch every day on YouTube or listen wherever you hear or get your podcasts. If this is your first time listening or watching, welcome. I am Vince Samperio, joined by my co-host Jeff Snyder. And Jeff and I are both lifelong Dodger fans that have covered the team in a few ways. One of those ways being this podcast. We've also, you know, covered them in the clubhouse and locker room at Camelback Ranch uh, in different areas. But we're not quite insiders. We're just here to bring you some uh, smart and rational takes about the Dodgers and hopefully make your Dodger fandom a little more enjoyable. And uh, we're, we're here to do that again today. We, for Jeff and I, it seems like we just saw each other. It was uh, less than 12 hours ago that we that we did see each other. Uh, for for the January first episode, now we're here January second. Um, how twenty twenty four start for you? Yeah, it's been a good day. I've watched uh, several episodes of the show I've been binging on Amazon Prime, and uh, yeah, you know, just a pretty relaxing day. So I enjoyed it. There you go. All right. Well, we're here to talk more Dodger stuff. No actual news from the day. However, there was uh, some news slash rumors from over the weekend that we're going to get into right now. And that regards uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto's trainer from Japan. He is reportedly being hired by the Dodgers, Osamu Yada. Uh, he's the trainer that's been working with and preparing Yamamoto in Japan. He has a unique training style. We, we've heard about Yamamoto's uh, in throwing the javelin in order to kind of get his arm going. There's a bunch of other things that he does uh, in order to get his arm going. And he's been a guy that's thrown a lot of pitches um, and, and goes deep into games. And, you know, maybe that's something that the Dodgers want to tap into, but yeah, Jeff, do you think this is one for Yamamoto's sake? You know, you're, you're signing a guy 12 years, 325 mil. You might as well want to make them as a, as comfortable as you can, or do you think it might seep a little bit into the Dodgers overall training methods? I, you know, if I had to guess, I would guess it's more the former that it's mostly for Yamamoto just to make sure this is, you know, that they are committed to him continuing to develop the way that he has developed into one of the best pitchers in the world so far. Um, but I also would guess that they aren't opposed to the idea of uh, seeing if it might uh, translate over to other pitchers that they have on the roster. Uh, one of the interesting quotes from Yamamoto's agent, uh, he said that uh, 
the Dodgers noticed that uh, over 80% of pitchers who participated in the WBC last year either regressed or sustained injuries over the course of the season. That's uh, what, what Joel Wolf said. Uh, and he said Yoshinobu was not one of them. He actually went the opposite direction and got better. Uh, and so basically, he, according to y- Yamamoto's agent, the Dodgers were curious, why did Yamamoto get better when so many other pitchers who pitched in the WBC struggled? And uh, and the big difference is the way he trains. He does this javelin training that nobody else does. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen other things about the the javelin training that it lets him work his arm without putting any stress on his elbow because it's a different throwing motion. So it helps maintain the arm strength, but is easier on the elbow. Uh, I don't know all the physiological benefits to this, but it seems to work for him. And so, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Dodgers at least have other pitchers meet with the guy and, and let him explain why, why it works, how it works, all of that. And and then kind of leave it up to them. The Dodgers have always been pretty good about when pitchers have their own thing, letting them uh, maintain that. And obviously they they have input on things, but you know, Trevor Bauer had his own routine. Clayton Kershaw's always had his own routine and the Dodgers seem to be very good at, at supporting pitchers and what they want to do. And so I would guess that's mostly what this is, but if it has the added benefit, imagine if, you know, some of their younger pitchers can pick this up and, stay injury free. Um, you know, a guy like Bobby Miller, who everybody worries about his arm because he throws so hard, you know, is he going to, it with hard throwing young guys, it's almost not a question of, is he going to need Tommy John surgery, but when? And so, you know, yeah, I, I would guess it's both, uh, at least to some extent. Yeah, it is interesting. Like the fact that Japanese overall baseball culture and training methods and and stuff hasn't been more of a thing uh, just for the simple fact that, you know, we see when these guys start getting more famous in in the MPB, but before that you hear about the big high school tournament um, that goes on and where everyone kind of becomes a star, steps into stardom and they're throwing like 150 pitches, 200 pitches, throwing back to back day, like, you know, and these guys, by the time they do come to the major, some of them do suffer arm injuries. You know, Kenta Maeda, we know that he he didn't actually have it with the Dodgers, but the, the reason he signed the deal the way he did was because uh, they didn't like the medicals, how his elbow looked. He ended up holding out, you know, Masahiro Tanaka with the Yankees had a UCL issue, but kind of pitched through it. Uh, you know, I think Dice K had uh, an arm issue when he came over at some point. So, you know, maybe no, those guys are, are not the best examples, but again, they do throw a lot of pitches. They don't, they're not going to throw as many pitches here, but you do want to keep that routine. And yeah, it makes sense for them to get Yamamoto, you know, as comfortable as possible, uh, whether that's interpreter, whether that's trainer, whether that, you know, whatever else he needs. And, and as we've seen from the Dodgers, they are no stranger to trying things or, or uh, looking for any benefit or, or special, you know, special sauce they can get, you know, they, they've worked with driveline. They've hired people from driveline. They've, you know, encourage guys to go to driveline. They've they've had all the technology. You know, they even, you know, it goes down to even feeding guys right in the minors. You know, they were one of the first teams to kind of do that. So the Dodgers are going to try to get any benefit they can. And, and as we've seen with player development in general, there's no salary cap for player development. So they're going to be able to spend all they want on, you know, a guy from J- – to bring over a guy from Japan. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, I don't know 
what it costs or whatever, but I'm sure, you know, they could have not spent that and Amoro would have been on his own out here, but, you know, they, they don't spare the expense. And, you know, kind of thinking back, 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 back to the McCourt days, it's, you know, it's just, you just smile when you're a Dodger fan now. Yeah, exactly. All those things you mentioned are absolutely things that a rich team like the Dodgers should be doing. Things that don't count towards the luxury tax. They're just, they only cost money. There's no potential draft pick ramifications or any of that stuff. It's just, okay, feed our minor leaguers better. Boom. Hire every trainer who we can. Boom. Player development, all that stuff. Those are things that a rich team like the Dodgers should absolutely be doing. And they are at the forefront of doing those things uh, to the point where, you know, maybe those things will end up in a CBA later as, as other teams try to limit what teams like the Dodgers can spend. But uh, when you look at the grand scheme of things, like if, if you look at feeding minor leaguers better for like 15 million bucks a year, uh, teams could pay all their minor leaguers 50,000 bucks a year, which is, you know, enough to live on at least, you know, uh, but teams don't do that. It, it's they, Major League Baseball teams are notoriously short-sighted on spending money that will help their their overall progress, uh, and the Dodgers, thankfully, seem to be at the forefront of being willing to spend that money, and I think this is just the latest example of that. Yeah, so moving on from kind of off the field to more on the field, there's a couple outfielders, one we haven't talked about at all, one we've talked about. So let's learn more about Anthony Santander and Lane Thomas. So that's what's coming up. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with FanDuel. The NFL regular season's wrapping up, but there's still playoffs coming up and still the final week of the season. And you can get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's a $5 bet. You get $150 if you win or lose. All you have to do is just place the $5 bet. Before you had to win it, now you just have to place it. It can't get any easier than that. So go check out the FanDuel app right now. There's a lot of different ways to bet. There's same-game parlays. There's an Explore tab with a bunch of new bets you can get. You can make a parlay, which is uh, you know a few bets that, that kind of tack on to each other. And you know in the last few weeks, we've seen people win $500K off five bucks and, and things of that nature. So go check out FanDuel.com. So go check it out at fando.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fando official partner of the NFL. We want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to become an everydayer by listening or watching every day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And Locked On Podcast Network has Locked On Sports today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, two 24-7 streaming channels on YouTube where you can get all the news from around the sports world and around the L.A. sports world. So go subscribe and check those out when you can. And remember, you can join subtext.com slash Dodgers to be an insider with us and text with us and uh, get some exclusive content and musings that you might not get from just watching and being an everyday. So go check that out. All right, Jeff, um, we got a question from Fabian Castaneda at fcastaneda94. He says that he's a Dodger fan in Virginia Beach, so he follows the Orioles a little bit since their AAA team is nearby. He mentioned Anthony Santander as a good switch hitting corner outfielder who's on his last year of arbitration and mentioned if the Dodgers should be thinking about him as seen as the Orioles need pitching. And uh, Santander was a guy that we kind of saw a little bit more earlier in the offseason in terms of a name that the Orioles might be willing to trade. 
uh, just because it was going to cost a little more. And they do have a lot of young talent uh, that can, you know, play outfield and they might need a spot opened up. Not someone that we've talked about, haven't seen his name really mentioned recently, but as time goes on, if the Orioles can't find one of these, you know, big time pitchers, then maybe the Dodgers can make a swap for an established player for a young pitcher with talent. Yeah, Santander is an interesting one. He just has one year left before he hits free agency. Uh, he's probably going to make about $10 million bucks in arbitration. So not crazy expensive, uh, not super cheap, but you know, pr- uh, for what he would provide, it's probably a good deal. Um, and, and like you said, the Orioles might be interested in trading in him. He's a switch hitter, and his he's about the same against both sides. He's uh, in his career, 758 OPS against right-handers, 785 against left-handers. Uh, all of those are, you know, that's for his entire career. Uh, in 2022, he actually had a 913 OPS against left-handed pitching. And so, you know, when we do think about he, he's probably better from the right hand, you know, from the right side of the plate against left-handed pitchers, which is probably what the Dodgers would be looking for. But a guy like Santander, they'd be looking for him in left field probably to be their everyday left fielder. Uh, they've got, whether it's Manuel Margot or Andy Paez or a, a few different options to be the the right-handed half of the platoon with Jason Hayward. Uh, but uh, Santander could be a decent option to be the Dodgers everyday left fielder. I, I feel I like Santander as a player. I don't know that I like him as much as some people do. You know, there's this guy who DM'd you that we've seen uh, a few people in our, our YouTube comment mentions bringing him up a lot. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what it is about Santander that I, I'm not in love with. Um, it might be the on-base percentage. Honestly, I, I think it's the on-base percentage. He's got a career 307 on-base percentage. His, his best was last year at 325, which is like right around league average, if not, you know, probably right around league average. And so uh, he has a lot of power for sure. Uh, but last year, I mean, his strikeout, he struck out three times as often as he walked nearly. Um, it, it's, you know, his strikeout rate isn't crazy above average. It's above average and his walk rate is below average. And so I, I've i got, I don't know that he fits the Dodgers style of baseball, I guess. Yeah. If, if I mean, for me, if a guy's batting six, seven, eight, I don't particularly care too much about the on base if he's going to be providing the power now you know obviously we've seen that the Dodgers you know have gone after guys like that before we've seen them and it's one of those things where I for me I think left field uh, because you you know DH is locked down for the next uh, 10 years to me left field can be the spot where you can just have somebody that is okay at defense maybe strikes out more than they walk but they hit you know 30 plus bombs and you put them at six seven eight in your lineup and realistically that's where he fits you know for me so i don't mind it too much he he's played in one postseason series he did have a homer in that postseason series you know for whatever that's worth the three games that they played so for me i you know i don't mind it if if you have someone batting in the nine hole i would like him to have you know good on base because you're getting ready for the top of the order if you're getting six seven eight you know you're either going to have somebody on base or you're going to be coming up with nobody on base and uh, you know, if you can hit a home run once every 25 game, once every 20, 15, 20 games or whatever, uh, I'll take you, especially if you do get it when there's people on base. 
Yeah. Uh, another thing about Santander is he has been mostly a right fielder in his career. He's played some left field. Uh, presumably if he can, uh, I mean, right field and left field, they have different needs, but uh, you know, usually the difference is the right fielder has a stronger arm as far as quality of defense. There are more balls hit to left field in general, just because there are more right-handed hitters. Um, but you know, it's not a crazy, a crazy disparity. Uh, and so defensively, I don't think we would expect a gold Glover out there. Uh, one, one maybe hidden benefit of Anthony Santander after all the, uh, what the Dodgers have done to improve their standing in Japan this off season, Anthony Santander is one of the most popular players in the United Kingdom in England. Have you heard about that Vince? I'm not back in 2019. Uh, there were about 4,000, uh, UK scouts, which I think was, uh, the United Kingdom's version of Boy Scouts of America, basically. They were in Maryland for the 24th World Scout Jamboree. Oh, in West Virginia. Um, and they traveled to Baltimore, 4,000 of them, and went to an Orioles game. And for some reason, it was, it was you know, a mixture of youth scouts and adult volunteers. And uh, they were about a quarter. There were 18,837 fans at that game, and about 4,000 of them were these UK scouts. And uh, they were in the left field stands and that's where Anthony Santander was playing. And uh, he, so he became their favorite player and they took that home with them. And so Anthony Santander still has a big following in England. Uh, so, you know, uh, baseball is taking off a little bit there. And so I guess maybe it adds to their, their worldwide, worldwide appeal if they were to get him. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to trade for a guy, but it's probably not a total non-factor. Yeah, definitely not a non-factor. The one thing now is who would they trade for him? Because realistically, the Dodgers aren't trading from a position of major league depth per se, in in the sense of you know they don't have seven guys that are for sure major league pitchers and they have to cut down. They have guys that pitched in the major leagues last year: Emmett Sheehan, Gavin Stone, uh, Bobby Miller's above that, so it'd be more Sheehan or Stone or you know like that. So. You know, for the Orioles, they're they're a team that was in they're not in win now mode, you know, but they were really good last year. They're looking to take that next step. You know, is it something they're looking for? An established starter, if they're gonna give up an established starter in the outfield. If so, I don't think it matches up with the Dodgers. And then if it does, it'd be a guy like Sheehan or Stone. And I don't know if he's worth it for that for a one year rental. Yeah, I definitely don't think Sheehan's going anywhere for Santander. I don't think Stone either. if Michael Grove. Like if they could do Michael Grove and a lesser prospect, I could see the Dodgers going for that. I don't have any idea if that's something the Mar the Orioles would go for. Um, like you say, he does only have one year left. They are kind of crowded in their outfield with some of their young guys coming up. And so, uh, you know, it might be re really, it will come down to how much do the Orioles want to move him? And does anybody else want him more than Michael Grove and a prospect? Because it may come to the point where the Orioles take what they can get for him. Hey, let's, take him off our payroll, cut down our our payroll by 10 million bucks and make room for the young guys in our outfield and get what we can for him. Yeah. yeah. So again, not a name that's been out there much recently, but a name nonetheless, uh, there is another one, another one that we've talked about a couple of times, but uh, we haven't gotten in depth about what he would bring to the Dodgers and what it would cost for them. So Lane Thomas is who we're talking about. So make sure to keep it locked on Dodgers.
Thank you for listening to Locked On Dodgers. If you are an everydayer, we appreciate you. If you're not an everydayer, all you have to do is listen or watch every day. You can find us where we find podcasts and on YouTube. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, uh, you can join us on subtext and be texting friends with us and get a little bit of inside, uh, you know, Things that you won't get just by being in every day. You can step it up by joining sub to join, go to joinsubtext.com slash locked on Dodgers. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And uh, you can do that. And then Locked On Podcast Network has two 24-7 streaming channels, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles, where you can catch up on all the news around the day, around the clock. All right, Jeff. Uh, so Lane Thomas is a name we've talked about we've mentioned a few times here on the podcast as a potential guy for an outfielder we haven't given him a full segment yet and another one that makes sense uh for a team that's not necessarily built to win right now so a little bit different than the orioles and a team that might be more likely to go for prospects a team that they've dealt with before in the nationals so what do we know about lane thomas does he have any uh, special geographic fan bases uh, you know, not that I know of, I will tell you, he's only the third lane, uh, first name lane in major league baseball history. And the first one, your Dodgers finger just fell down. I watched it fall off the wall behind you. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, he is the first of those three lanes. Uh, I have a brother named lane and he is the only, uh, lane in major league history who also has the same middle name as my brother. Lane, Michael Thomas is, uh, the baseball player, lane, Michael Snyder. Is that my brother's middle name? Well, I think my brother's middle name is Michael. Wow. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because my parents were going to name him Michael until they found out that my aunt intended to call him Mickey, and they didn't like that, so they named him after his doctor, who was named Lane instead. Uh, I don't know if Lane Thomas was named after Dr. Lane Ozzie. Uh, yeah, but they didn't. So uh, um, I don't know if Lane Thomas was named after Dr. Lane Osland from Fallbrook, California, or not, but my brother was. But uh, Lane Thomas is a very good hitter. Uh, and he's kind of interesting because he has he's kind of flown under the radar. Radar. It's just basically the last year and a half or so that he has kind of taken off. Uh, this last year, he hit 28 homers, had a 114 OPS plus. Uh, again, he's a guy with a, a low on base percentage, career OBP of 314. Last year it was 315. Uh, for me, honestly, when I look at Lane Thomas, uh, the, the benefit he has over Santander is. Uh, two years left before free agency likely to be less expensive. He only made a couple million last year. Uh, what was it? 2.2 million last year. So he'd probably make 4 million or so in arbitration this year. And, and then still less than Santander next year. Um, honestly though, when I look at Lane Thomas's splits, he strikes me as a guy, his career OPS against righties is 693 against lefties. It's 881. He is a lot better against left-handed pitching. And so, you know, if they were looking for a guy to be that that platoon with, with Jason Hayward, uh, I think he would be a great fit. Uh, I suspect, though, that with how well Lane Thomas hit last year overall, the Nationals wouldn't be interested in trading him for a package that the Dodgers would want to give up for the the one-third half of a, of a platoon uh, tandem if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And for, you know, it's one of those things where we're used to the Dodgers trying to maximize every position for the most part where they can. 
Uh, they've done so with platoons in the past. They've done so with, you know, elite talent. And like you said, for somebody like Elaine Thomas, realistically, you're not getting him to be a platoon just because of the fact that, you know, he is a serviceable major league player without the platoon. I mean, the last two years he's played 146, 156 games has been slightly to a little bit above average in terms of overall PS plus, And that's, you know, with the struggles against right-handed pitching. So yeah, you, if you go after him, it's one of those things where as the Dodgers, you might want to undersell it as, Oh, we just want him as a platoon guy in order to make the deal cheaper. The nationals would sell him like, okay, well, he's an everyday player to make it more expensive and they can be in the middle. But yeah, I think, he makes more sense, you know, like you said, two years, two years left on the deal would probably cost less in terms of close to major league talent. You know, the Nationals are probably at least one to two years away from legitimately uh, challenging for a playoffs or at least a, a, a contender. And they, you know, the Dodgers have a lot of guys kind of in that realm. Um, the other part is, you know, when we talked about a lot of these guys that the Dodgers do have on the 40 manner in general and, a lot of the prospects are a little bit older, 25, 26. You know, Lane Thomas is 28, and we're talking about training for him as not a prospect. So it's one of those things where if the Dodgers are motivated to go get an outfielder type, that would be the type to go after who's going to cost you, you know, maybe a, a lower-tier prospect that's maybe a little bit older that the Nationals could be like, okay, let's we're going to throw him in the majors now, see what he can do, and then when we're ready to compete in a year or two, he'll be more comfortable in the majors. Yeah, that's a possibility. He's also played all three outfield positions. And so he could be, you know, basically what Manuel Margot is currently. Um, the you know, the right-handed half of the platoon with Hayward, plus he can play the other positions when when they need him to. Basically, a a version of Manuel Margot that can actually hit. Uh and so you don't hate that, especially if if Jason Hayward does turn back into a pumpkin. Uh, you know, it would be nice to have somebody better than Margot as the other half of that platoon so that, Hey, you know what, if, if Hayward needs to only play half the time, even against right-handed pitching, you know, you got a Lane Thomas guy and, and he hasn't been terrible. If you look at uh, against right-handed pitching the last two years, his OPS plus against right-handed pitching was 94 and 95. So just barely below average. So he's not terrible against right-handed pitching uh, definitely serviceable, uh, and still does have a lot of power. Last year, he had 19 homers against right-handed pitching. Uh, it, a lot of it was simply the the on-base percentage. His on-base percentage against righties is much, much lower. And uh, if that's the case, you know, that might even be something the Dodger could help him get better at too. Uh, so, you know, a late bloomer like Thomas could be a a good option for the Dodgers, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of what I mentioned with Santander is when we're talking about all these guys is, they're a six through eight hitter in this lineup. You know, it's not insignificant, but, you know, the Dodgers are, are fairly set one through five in terms of having above average offensive talent. Um, you know, if Gavin Lux settles into that nine spot and, and placed like he did in 2021, then they're above average there. Uh, and then, you know, you're hoping for the platoon to work out. You're hoping for, you know, other things to work out wherever, wherever they're at in the outfield. But you're not looking for somebody to carry an offense. And, you know, if Lane Thomas is the number six, seven, eight guy compared to more middle of the order on a bad Nationals team, that could also benefit him. We've, we've seen guys benefit from that before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now that we've mentioned Gavin Lux batting ninth, cue the person in our YouTube comments who keeps insisting that Gavin Lux should be batting leadoff instead of Mookie Betts. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, that 
I'll just mention it here. That's not going to happen. Uh, I think the latest iteration had Shohei Otani batting fifth uh, in this person's ideal lineup. So uh, I, yeah, I suspect Otani will not be batting fifth. Uh, some version of Mookie Best, Shohei Otani, and Freddie Freeman will be the one through three hitters for the Dodgers, as it should be. And Gavin Lux is an awesome nine hitter, a guy who can get on base, have some speed ahead of those guys. Uh, the second time, second and after that times through the lineup. So, uh, but you know, good that we mentioned that so that that guy can, can have something to complain about again. So, and realistically after the first time through lineup, Gavin Lux could be the leadoff hitter every time he bats. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, you know, having him on base before Mookie Betts his home runs is uh, is a good thing or Mookie Betts gets a base hit and then Freddie Freeman, hits a two run double and then Shohei Otani hits a two run Homer, you know, uh, that's four runs. They should do four runs every inning. That's what I've decided. Ideal that would world. Be a record. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely want to maximize that bats of your best players by having them earlier in the lineup. Uh, it's probably the best part of lineup construction that's changed in recent years. So yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Jeff, is there anything else you have to add about anything we talked about today or moving forward? Um, no, the, there's a lot of different options, uh, for these outfield spots. It will be interesting to see what the Dodgers do. If they do go the trade route, both of these will be trades. There's still guys like Tommy Pham and, and, uh, what's the other guy, Jorge Soler and guys like that available on the free agent market. Uh, Yasiel Pui, like we talked about on, on this morning's episode that isn't as likely, uh, you know, so yeah, I think that there will be another outfielder or two coming to the Dodgers, but not tough to tell what route it'll be through. And uh, I, I don't think either of these options we talked about today are bad options. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, you know, we, we've kind of exhausted all the options that are kind of known. Uh, we'd have to really get into teams, you know, financials and, and roster construction to see if there's anything else. I know we've talked about the Cardinals and them having extra outfielders, you know, maybe it's one of them, but as we've seen in recent years, there might be somebody we've never talked about. It might be the most obvious uh, with the Dodgers. You never know. So yeah, we'll look forward. There's a, you know, about six weeks till pitchers and catchers report. And we might know by then we might not, um, you know, it's been a slow moving off season in general so far. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yep. There was some news today about a Dodgers draft pick. Wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, Dodgers had drafted DJ. Uyunglele who had been in the college football ranks for a few years. He played for Clemson, was playing for Oregon State this year. He entered the transfer portal for his last year, and now he's going to play for Florida State. So I don't know if he has baseball on his mind at all. But, uh, you know, well, I'll still root for him. He's from uh, – he's a local kid. He went to St. John Bosco. So, yeah. And Florida State has a history. Uh, that's where Deion Sanders went, right? So and Jamie Winston. Yeah, uh, he didn't play both, but he played both in college. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Deion Sanders did both in the big in the the pro ranks. So, uh, you know, not crazy to think, but uh, I guess we'll see. I assume he's a pitcher. Is he a pitcher? Yeah, I think they drafted him as a pitcher. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, uh, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen. For not your first listen, check us out in the mornings when you're on your way to work, when you're going to the gym, when you are making breakfast or making lunch or doing whatever you're doing, getting the kids ready for school, whatever your morning routine is, we can be part of it. And if not, you can listen to us later in the day. As long as you're an everydayer, which means you listen or watch every day, we appreciate you. Remember, Locked On has 24-7 streaming channels for all sports, Locked On Sports today, and for LA Sports, Locked On Sports Los Angeles. Uh, our buddy Doug McCain is Locked On Rams host, and they are a playoff team again this year. So 
I'm sure he has a lot of fun stuff to talk about. So go check out Locked On Sports Los Angeles, and you can uh, listen to him and listen to us. You can talk to us directly with joints at with subtext. Uh, you can join at joinsubtext.com/slash/lockedondodgers. You can you know go back and forth with us, ask us questions. You might get more on-demand answers that we may use in the show, and uh, a lot of other things, especially when season starts and I'm going to games again. Uh, you know, you might get some cool videos or something like that of, of players before the game. So there's a lot to get into. Remember, you can also find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's 91. You can DM either of us for any questions, comments, thoughts, topics. You can also send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail or send us a text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Here's my advice with podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow.